was a news report one time that the phrase that became stuck in the world was, oh, the humanity. And I think it was uh, the news report that was live when the Hindenburg crashed and fell out of the sky. All of this beautiful technology put together in one place, lifted up into the air with helium and um, hydrogen and flame. And wow, that was a bad idea. It exploded, fell out of the sky, killed a bunch of people, people on the ground, people in the Hindenburg, the whole thing. It was a big disaster. And I remember the the news report. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is where it came from, where the... The guy verbalizing the news report as he was watching it happen yelled, Oh, the humanity! And I wonder if you've ever worked in that place under a leader who completely lost sight of the humanity of the people they work for. In fact, it's the reason we have labor unions today. Because there were a whole lot of leaders at the turn of the century who realized they could be more productive, more efficient, if they forgot about the humanity of the people they lead. That's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And I want you to understand that when I talk about the humanity, I mean like the real life flesh and bone, the emotions, the thoughts, the what someone call the soul of man, that triune part of man, the mind, the will, and the emotions. See, those things are unique to humans. No puppy dog has them. No kitty cat has them. No goldfish, no alligator, no shark, no baby whale, no chimpanzee has the same combination of mind, will, and emotions that we do. And the ability to marry those together with the flesh and bone part of ourself that we are and the ability then to have a spiritual connection to the universe. Uh, only humans have that. There is no other being that has that. Now, that's not to say that what we would compare to the intellectual capacity of a human couldn't be matched by, say, I don't know, a smartphone. I was on my way to a teaching the other day. In fact, I was the one doing the training and was going through some of my notes in my head. And I remembered that way back when in some of my um, research, I had quoted someone else's content. And in the quote of that content, they make the illustration that there's a certain amount of ethos in our delivery as storytellers that is inductive and a certain amount that's deductive. And I, I wanted to just make sure I had a really good grasp before I stood in front of the room and talked about it. What is the difference between those two? And so I asked my wife, who already has a bachelor's degree in psychology, and she's working on another bachelor's degree. And I said, well, just help me, help me mull through this to conversationalize the difference between inductive and deductive reasoning. And she kind of looked at me for a minute. She's like, can't tell you that I remember. And so I asked my phone. And she gave me a pretty good answer. And then she stops about half of the paragraph through and she says, would you like me to go on? Sure, give me all the information you have on it. What I asked was, what is deductive reasoning? What I got was the definition of deductive reasoning, then the contrast between their two, and then some examples of how you might see the results of those two things play out. Now, that's intelligence that ability to not just perceive the question, but perceive the question behind the question. And in a matter of seconds, milliseconds, go find that data, 
that somebody else has already written down, somebody else has already made document of, hidden it in a database on, I don't know, Wikipedia or Webster.com or something, and make it available in an intelligent way back to me while I'm driving down the road. That's uh, something my dog cannot do. Now, my dog's very intelligent. She loves puzzles. If I take her favorite toy and hide it somewhere, she loves to tear things apart until she finds it or to cleverly move about the room, climb on things she doesn't normally climb on, move things she's normally afraid of to get to that toy. She loves that game. That's her one of her favorite things to do besides just basic fetch because she's a doodle and that's what they do. But that gift in her, that intelligence in her, that curiosity in her, that cleverness in her. She couldn't tell me the difference between deductive and inductive reasoning. No, that that requires a different kind of intelligence. But let me tell you something about leaders that is very important, and that is leaders need to go beyond the intelligent, beyond the access of data, beyond the cleverness to solve the puzzle, beyond the ability to ascertain one fact from another fact and into the reality of the human being. To realize that I might get performance out of you, I might get production out of you, I might be able to drive the whip, so to speak. I think of the, the boats and the days of the, the pirates and the conquerors like the Vikings and the conquistadors where they would take the slaves and the, those who owed a debt, they would put them at the bottom of the boat and give them an oar. And there was someone there with a whip to make sure that they stroked the oar at exactly the right time to keep the boat moving or to move the boat faster or to turn the boat about. And their driving of performance, their ability to get the result they wanted was purely tyrannical. It was nothing but force. Now, there's a, a barrier somewhere where that line is crossed where we move from the idea that we're going to work together in unison to you will do this or there will be severe consequences. And that line is usually that transition from persuasion to coercion, between persuasion and force. That At one point, it's buy-in to the idea that together we will accomplish that and another that you will do this or else. Uh, if you've ever watched any movies about the, the mob or the mafia, you've seen similar ideas to that. At one point, it, it seems like a good idea. We're synergistically working along. At another point, you will do this or you and your family will regret it, perhaps forever. But see, the, the leader has in their heart and in their mind the ability to comprehend that I'm not dealing with an intelligent puppy. I'm not dealing with a digital device that has intelligence and the ability to parse through billions of bytes of data and find what I'm looking for and give it back to me quickly. I'm talking about a human being with a soul, with emotions, one that comes with a past, one that has feelings, one that has family, that has emotional, psychological, and spiritual tentacles beyond the entity that I'm dealing with right now. And leaders who forget that, Leaders who forget humanity, leaders who forget that they're leading a human, that they're asking for the permission to influence the decisions of an individual human. Well, those leaders fail. Leaders who forget that fail. So my challenge to you today is as a good leader, be a better leader by remembering the humanity. Right? I'm not telling you how many limbs they have to have to be human. I'm not telling you what kind of lifestyle choices they've made that make them human. I'm not telling you whether you agree with their ideologies or not that decides whether they're human. I'm telling you if they're human, 
They have the individual rights and responsibilities that are due to a human. In my opinion, created in the image of God. And as a leader, you need to respect that and know the difference between your iPhone and your Labradoodle. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.